0: Oh, good morning and welcome. If we have not met, my name is Shay Ryanga, and I'm blessed to be one of the pastors here. And uh, I, I'm going to ask uh, something I don't normally ask of you this morning. Um, if some of you wouldn't mind praying for me during this message, I would appreciate it. And I say that because this has been a, an unusual and kind of crazy week for me. So, um, with all the holidays, there's been you know sickness, and Lindsay K and Max have some crud and have got to celebrate the holidays in weird and unexpected ways because Max is two now, and so he like he got a train set. Sassy and Pappy got him a train set and lit up, and so seeing his eyes and the joy on his face was amazing. And and uh, we're starting this new sermon series and it's so juggling, you know, to kind of get a message put together. And then as the week unfolded with some of the the headlines and some of the things that that, um, came to our awareness that we came to find out about what's going on all over the world and in the church, I just, I I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of speaking to me and just saying like I, I felt like I needed to kind of scrap most of what I'd worked on, which is kind of scary a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It's 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 just unusual. I, I don't I don't usually kind of preach from this place, you know, I usually got some notes and I got this this here in front of me. And so um it, it's I, I want to be a little raw this morning and and share with you and lift up one thing at at the start and Pastor David has written something that if, if you know nothing about, great, don't worry about it. but Pastor com, he's written a blog and you may have heard about some things happening in the United Methodist Church and some proposals and plans. and so I invite you to read Pastor David's statement and I invite you please, please, um, to listen to his sermon because um, it's a powerful, powerful word for us. And in light of that, I just want to speak to that um, for a second and say, like what we're seeing in the Middle East and just all creation groaning and, and my heart breaks for what's going on in Australia. And for those of you that know some of the conversations and a little bit about the plan in the United Methodist Church, um, just the, the enemy is alive and well and trying to divide the people of God. <laughs> and trying to convince the people of God that there is no hope. And I wanna stand before you today that is, as much as we can see the news and be discouraged, um, I've never been more convinced that Christ is king and Jesus is Lord and it has nothing to do with like, the perception and the noise of what's going on out in the world. But it has everything to do with like, the songs that we sing and the time and the space that we create in our lives to experience the power of God and the love of God. And there's a bit of a suppressed history in the Methodist church, that we know about John Wesley. For those of you that that know, are one of the founders of the Methodist Church. Is John Wesley, and he creates the Wesley. He creates this Methodist movement, and his desire is to spread scriptural holiness across the land. And John Wesley has this experience of a heart strangely warmed after he's already a priest. And not only that, but him and his brother Charles, all throughout their life, they have they have these times, and especially at the New Year, what they often did at the New Year was they had what was called a, a covenant service. And we're going to pray a prayer that, that came from that service at the end, right before communion today. We're going to pray that prayer together. But they would, in creating time and space where there was no agenda, there we weren't pressure-packed into an hour where we had to, had to kind of get a lot of church business done and do the things that we normally do in a service, but they would take time to just sit before the Lord and to praise Him and to pray and to wait and to be still and know that he's God. And they would wait patiently and they would often just be moved to tears because of their experience of the joy of the Lord that would that they would actually experience. That, that, that it would come actually, that God would move in their heart in such a way that they were changed and they were given armor and they were... They were given resiliency and they were given a love and an affection for people that they were able to go. It's, it's why Wesley is, he doesn't wanna do it because he knows he's not supposed to. Like he's from a church of England that's real high church. Think Anglo-Catholic, like very liturgical and, and a lot of vestments and a lot of proper procedure and protocol. But, but he, was, he was convinced he needed to be more vile for the Lord. He uses the word vile, he needed to be more vile in preaching the gospel. So he went out to the fields and he proclaimed the good news. And a word that God has put on my heart this week is the word inheritance. And I want to lift up this passage from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 to 9. until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. I think, I think we know what he's talking about here. These have come so that the, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, Is that word that stuck out to me this week. This inheritance that we have. This inheritance that we have. That so many of us, I think, we know and we believe. And as we think about this new year and what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be, the unique calling he's placed on each and every one of your lives in the vocation that you have. So many of us know it we believe it. Have we experienced the joy of the Lord? Have we experienced the joy of the Lord? Because in this new year, that's kind of my conviction and my word that I shared with with those of you that were here last week is just to kind of pray more fervently and to take more time to create space. As we start this sermon series, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, we're gonna get a little more Mr. Rogers in the coming weeks. Um, but one of the things that Mr. Rogers um, shared with a, a good friend towards the end of, of the of the show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and I have to confess, growing up, I didn't watch a lot of Mr. Rogers. Um, he didn't really speak to me as a kid. And I'll confess, it's probably because I'm more of a product of culture than I'd like to admit. <laughs> He's a little too slow. I'm a little impatient. He's very deliberate. And I just, I, I didn't quite, I didn't quite, quite watch a lot of Mr. Rogers. So I've learned a lot about Mr. Rogers in building up to this, this series. And one of the things he said to a dear friend he was giving an interview to is he believed, now many of you don't know this, but he was a Presbyterian minister. So, and he not only was a Presbyterian minister, but he was, he was actually commissioned by the Presbyterian church to be a, 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 a televangelist, a little different televangelist than that may come to mind for some of you, But, but he was commissioned by the church to be a televangelist, okay? And he gave this interview and he said he believed that the space, the space between the TV and himself, like the space between whoever his viewers were, the children and the TV was holy ground. And that what he said and what was seen by the Holy Spirit could be translated and changed and be what the children and the adults needed to hear and see. He believed that the Holy Spirit was active and filtering and at work. And there's countless testimonies, the more you read, see some of the documentaries and read some of the books about how people grew up in really tough abusive backgrounds, but somehow they watched that show and that show gave them hope. And so it was no doubt true. And all things are are possible with God. I believe that. But it becomes a little bit unrealistic when, when the, uh, the children's programming of the time is nothing but anvils falling on cartoons' heads and TNT blowing up Yosemite Sam. And so that's basically what children had. And of course, I, I watched those cartoons too growing up too. And, and so he saw, he looked, he looked at the landscape of what was offered to kids and he believed with the inheritance that he had and what he wanted for his children <laughs> and for all the children with the gift he believed and the calling he believed that God gave him, he believed his faith demanded more of him and that they deserved better. They deserved better than what they were receiving and what they were getting. And here I hear this urgency in Paul as. We read, and I lift up this passage for us in Ephesians chapter 4. And Ephesians chapter 4, throughout this series, is going to be a really important chapter for us as we go through. This sermon series, Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And we see this in the life of Fred Rogers. And what's powerful in Paul saying this is he's literally a prisoner for the Lord. He's a prisoner for the Lord and, and he often will use this language of being a slave for Christ. And it's amazing that he uses this language and we may think, gosh, Paul's crazy. He's, he's just a little more intense than I am, but he, it's important that we don't, we don't overlook this word prisoner and slave for the Lord because this, this is someone who was an enemy of God. This is someone who spent a significant amount of his life persecuting Christians, persecuting the followers of Jesus, who what? Who experienced, who had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life in such a way that he would then call himself a prisoner and a slave for Christ because of the freedom and the joy and the love that he experienced. And he says, out of that, out of that, I urge you, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you receive. This comes from a man who knows he's unworthy. (laughs) He of all people, of all the sinners, Paul will say in another place, I am the worst. I'm the worst. Like, don't hear any self-righteousness in this. Like, like, I'm the worst sinner. I'm unworthy of the call. I'm unworthy of the grace. And it's only in our ability to understand our depravity and the sin that stains us, our need to repent before God in our realization that we're broken, we don't have the strength on our own, we can't. It is hopeless, it is hopeless without God that we encounter a love that is incomprehensible, a peace that passes all understanding. But we have to, we have to get to that place first. And when we take time, I'm convinced like this conviction of Fred Rogers, this conviction that Paul has, the calling that he has, that he sees that the world is falling apart around him. I mean, make no mistake about it. If we think that the that, that, that times were good for Paul, then we see the fires and we see what's happening in the Middle East and we see the conversations and the division within our own church. If we think that's bad, I mean, Paul's dealing with Jews and Gentiles and, and Jew, the Jewish Christians who don't know and don't want to accept these people into the into the church. Like, and they're living in the midst of, Paul's in prison and living in the midst of enemy occupied territory with a regime that is violently opposed to, to the faith, to the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. Paul understands the kind of groaning in creation. Paul is every bit as aware of the pervasiveness of sin but it is incomparable with the preeminence and the sovereignty of Jesus, of Christ who is king. And out of that, out of us being humble before God, we are made worthy and we are given the special and holy calling. And what does that look like? He says in verse two and three, Oh. There is only one. There is only one who is faithful. There is only one whose word is true. There is only one name that is above every name, a name that can conquer the grave. There's only one and there is one. There is hope. There is salvation. There is a way that we're called to share with the entire world through the unique calling that God has given each and every one of us. And what I'm convinced of in light of 1 Peter, in light of what Paul shares for us, this inheritance that we have. I've only been here almost a year and a half. And when I got here, these chairs were already here Buildings A, B, C, and D were already here. Um, We eventually moved into that office building up the street that some of you still don't know about, which is fine. Um, (laughs) It's all good. Eventually, maybe you'll, yeah, anyway, that's no big deal. Um, Thousands of faithful followers of Jesus Christ already here. Like, that's now part of Lindsay Kay and mine and Max's inheritance, that we get to help steward and, and continue to grow, that God wants to continue to give us and entrust more to us. And it's an inheritance that I know in the short time that I've been here that I'm convinced will not fade It will not be spoiled because I know y'all well enough by now, some of you. (laughs) And and I'm confident that this family, regardless of, of what happens in the United Methodist Church and what happens in our world, I'm confident, I'm confident in the calling that God has placed on your life and in my life, that the gates of hell will not stand against us. And that the history and the heritage of the 130 plus years so far and, and the 100 plus and, and several hundred years more into the future, I'm confident that the truth will march on. And as we face a new year, 2020, and we, we look and take its self-inventory. I don't know if you make resolutions or don't make resolutions, but we do self-inventory in our lives, in our family's life. There was this conviction that that Fred Rogers had, he saw what was going on. And he believed his faith demanded more. These children deserve better. And that same conviction drives me too. And it isn't, it doesn't mean we do more. <laughs> It doesn't mean we get busier. I think it means we become more still in our lives. We create more space. We create more time to read God's word, to be still before God in prayer, to listen and to focus on what he's saying. Because you know, TV's, TVs all right right. Like God can speak in so many ways, and the Holy Spirit, I think, I think Fred Rogers is right, like the Holy Spirit can filter so many things that we experience and and turn that into God's word for us. But me, my conviction for 2020 is to create more time and more spaces for this family of faith to spend time so we can directly hear what God has to say. He wants to speak directly to our hearts and our souls. He wants to directly guide our steps. And I think we need to trust him more for that and create space and time and ask him, ask him to come in our lives in such a way that we believe he can do infinitely more than we ever could dream. Would you pray with me? Holy Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus for you to guide us. Show us, especially for each and every one of us, I pray for a word over this coming year. God, I pray you speak directly and you help us take the time to listen and to focus on what you're saying to us, where you're leading us, God. God, we believe in you. We know your word is true. So help us align ourselves to your will. We are thankful for your mercy and overwhelmed by your grace, God. We, We confess that we often in our lives misuse the gifts you give us and the time. And God, we confess that we've sinned against you. We've broken your law. We've rebelled against your love. And we are thankful that while we were yet sinners, you came and you died for us and we get to come to your table and we get to remember your great love for us and receive your grace and forgiveness. So God, help us create more time to receive that, to hear from you. God, hold our thoughts and our time captive. Help us hold all the time that you give us captive to you so that we could be attentive and learn how to pray without ceasing in our lives. We could be aware of the divine appointments that you've made for us, that in the midst of all the happenings in our world, in the magnitude of your sovereignty and how big you are and glorious and majestic you are, that you are concerned and you love us enough to speak to us specifically, to our own souls, to our own minds. You wanna guide our families, so help us lead well, Lord. And pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, amen. And before we come forward to take communion, I wanna lift up this covenant prayer. And I, I tweaked the language just to make it a little more in common English because it's, it's, it's written in an, in an older English. So would you please repeat after me this prayer as we prepare to come forward for communion? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to do what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. In the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. And now we remember on the night that Christ gave himself up for us, He took bread, he gave thanks to the Father and he broke the bread and he said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks again to the Father and he gave it to his disciples and said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Will you please pray with me? Holy God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body of Christ that we may be for the world your body, cleansed and redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, Lord, make us one with Christ. Make us one with each other. God, we pray for unity. Make us one in ministry to the world. May we be marked by the love and the grace of Jesus. And it doesn't mean we have to agree, but unity does mean we love. God, help us be a family of faith who are a light and a sign of God's grace in this world until that great and glorious day comes where we feast together at your heavenly table. We ask all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.